Welcome to our podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten this week by Google Cloud. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're exploring the new security challenges as more of the nation's workforce is working remotely and relying increasingly on cloud services. And we'll look at the growing move to zero trust policies across federal, state, and local government. Our guest today is Dan Prieto, Strategic Executive at Google Cloud for Public Sector. Dan formerly served as Chief Technology Officer at the Department of Defense and then as Director for Cybersecurity Policy for the White House National Security Council in the Obama administration. He's held senior leadership roles at the Council for Foreign Relations, IBM, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and McKinsey before joining Google three years ago. Dan, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Wyatt. Happy to be here. So Dan, to borrow a popularized phrase, you've been in the room where a lot has happened in regard to national security and cybersecurity related discussions. How would you characterize the state of cybersecurity in the public sector and in federal agencies in particular? And how's that evolved since your days working in the White House? You know, I think it's fair to say that cyber risk remains high, and we need to continue to evolve both policies and practices to continue to drive down that risk. You know, according to the Director of National Intelligence in the most recent uh, National Threat Assessment, our adversaries continue to be determined and they continue to be more aggressive. And their goals continue to expand. They seek to weaken democratic institutions. They seek to disrupt our critical infrastructures in healthcare, in finance, in government, and in emergency service sectors, something that we should be very wary of at this time of the COVID pandemic. They continue to hack and leak, uh, manipulate data, and conduct for-profit cyber-enabled theft. But at the same time that the threats continue to be serious, there's been obviously a lot of policy change. Uh, and it's come in waves. Right after the OPM breach in 2016, there was a big push of new policy with presidential directives on incident response, the creation of the first federal CISO, and a big push to improve multi-factor authentication, encryption, network monitoring, continuous diagnostics, and the like. Under this administration, there's been a, thankfully, uh, a significant degree of continuity with executive orders on federal cybersecurity, on cybersecurity workforce, and improved and expanded policies and strategies around cloud adoption and around security. So I think a lot of the policy and practice continues to move in the right direction. I think the big question is how quickly we can get to a better state of cybersecurity, because despite all of those changes, the reality is that the dominant philosophy in cybersecurity in the federal government and in most governments is still one that focuses on the perimeter. Based on what network you're coming from, that determines what assets, what data you have access to. And as a result of that, there continues to be a pretty significant mismatch between, let's call them the bad guys and the good guys on that playing field. The bad guys can penetrate and move laterally on our networks within minutes to hours, and the standard and typical response time for finding malicious activity on network is still measured in months. So the big question, I think, for all of us is how do we get a more level playing field, get the defender time cycles into the minutes and hours realm so that we can at least play on a level playing field with our adversaries? We've seen a wholesale technology migration to the cloud over this same time frame, but the massive shift of the nation's workforce to remote working situations has put a lot of strains on government IT departments to manage that shift securely. Can you give us a sense for the types of security concerns that you're now seeing in general and during this pandemic in particular? I think in general, enterprises and the government continue to struggle, as I mentioned, around that time frame mismatch. 
I think situational awareness is significantly challenged. Most large organizations, including large government organizations, have 150 or more cybersecurity tools implemented, and that means they're flooded with data. And for the most part, they're not able to store that data, analyze that data to improve their situational awareness. So I think there's increased opportunities for automation. And the way to get there, I think, is through cloud compute capabilities and to increasingly use more and more data to analyze the cybersecurity environment to get better and to improve cybersecurity. Now, as regards uh, the COVID crisis itself, obviously, we've seen a big surge in telework. For example, the DOD right now has as many as 4 million military and civilian workers now teleworking. That's required a big surge to purchase more network hardware and equipment, custom laptops for remote access, uh, and really push dramatic shifts in VPN use. So for example, the Air Force went from 10,000 VPN users to 400,000 in a very short time period. The Navy went from 100,000 to 500,000. Real dramatic shifts. But again, the approach to providing the telework capability using virtual private networks suggests that there is still this approach to both access and to security that is focused on a traditional paradigm of what's my security perimeter. Google itself got rid of VPNs in 2011 by implementing a zero trust network for all of its employees and contractors. And Gartner predicts that by 2023, 60% of organizations will move away from using VPNs to using a more zero trust approach. Speaking of data, let me shift gears a little and talk about analytics, because analytics plays an increasingly central role in keeping government networks and users secure. But getting a centralized, real-time view of what the analytics are actually indicating hasn't been as easy for government IT departments. How are you seeing the use of analytics evolving in government? I think governments desire to use analytics to better inform decision making. I think mentally they're in the right place. I would argue, though, it's still aspirational. You see in a significant number of solicitations from the government, solicitations that, to be frank, don't look very different from technology solicitations from five, 10 years ago. However, there are added new paragraphs on sections on analytics, on artificial intelligence, on machine learning, treating those technologies a little bit as if they were sort of magic dust sprinkled on the RFP is going to make the implementation that much better. But the reality is when it comes to large-scale analytics and ML and AI, the big challenge we've seen with customers has less to do with the technology because the cloud computing technologies make it much more readily available to do large-scale analytics and MLAI than any time previously in the past. The long pole in the tent for most customers actually is data governance issues. Does the government agency have the wherewithal to overcome the governance issues or rice bowl issues or bureaucratic political issues around access to data for multiple stakeholders to integrate the data in a meaningful way and then to query and analyze the data to get insights from that data? So a lot of times the technology exists to do that kind of data integration and do that kind of analysis, but projects are often thwarted because the agency itself hasn't had the time to understand its data holdings, to overcome the political and bureaucratic barriers to integrating the data in one place so it can be effectively used, analyzed, to train models for machine learning and artificial intelligence. At the same time, some agencies that are attempting to do analytics are often trying to do it on-prem. And in those cases, we have found that on-prem data analytic platforms tend to have a significantly higher upfront cost and tend to also have significantly higher risks of failure. So again, I think the cloud is there to answer the technology issues, but there are in-house issues in terms of the customer's maturity and readiness for transformation that often stand in the way. 
So Dan, can you talk about a couple of examples of where you've seen analytics at work in helping enterprises improve their security posture? Absolutely. You know, there are two customers we've worked with very closely on this front, very large organizations with significant reach. The first one is New York City, obviously America's largest city, hundreds of thousands of employees, hundreds of thousands of endpoints. And we worked with them starting about two years ago. And when we started with them, they really, to be frank, a lot of the challenges they faced, I think, would resonate with any federal leader or state and local government leader listening to this now. A fragmentation of tools, a fragmentation of identity solutions, lots of legacy applications that they weren't getting full value out of, lots of detection and monitoring on endpoints, really limited proactive analytics, proactive hunt, looking for bad actors or threats on systems. Traditionally, to the extent that historic data was used, it was just used retroactively if an incident occurred to try to do forensic analysis, but very little proactive looking for threats. No unified collection and analysis point. Storage of long-term cybersecurity log data was really cost prohibitive and analysis was not agile. What we did with them was build a cloud-based analytic platform. And over the last couple of years, I think you can see the business benefits of, of what's happened. In terms of storage, they went from only being able to store several months of data to the cost of millions of dollars to now being able to store and analyze multiple years of historical data and doing so much more cost-effectively. We've seen about certainly more than a tenfold increase, and in some cases up to a hundredfold increase into the volumes of data that they're able to analyze, to be frank, up to hundreds of thousands of events per second. That's dramatically improved their situational awareness, their ability to make sense of their entire environment, and to get context and to get alerts on things that are anomalous or, or represent threats. You know, in the commercial sector, we've seen similar business and operational benefits in our work with the Home Depot. Again, similar prohibitive costs around long-term storage, which we are able to solve with Google Cloud Storage and BigQuery, and then also significant improvements in workload times. For them, a 90-day historical report that used to take six hours to run in a traditional SIM now takes about two minutes. So significant business benefits. And because of those, we're seeing increased interest and traction with a number of customers, both at state and local and at the federal level that are asking, how can we use cloud-based analytics to really dramatically change and transform our security posture and visibility? Finally, Dan, where do we go from here? And what would you advise agency leaders to consider as they confront the current realities that we're facing, as well as planning for the near and longer term future with their IT requirements? You know, I think two things. I think the first one is really continue and in fact, accelerate this move to zero trust approaches to access applications and data and away from traditional perimeter-based network-based controls in terms of what you can have access to and use. With a zero trust approach, again, what you have access to is not based on the network you're coming to those applications and data from, but instead based on an analysis of the identity of the user, the user's machine, their behavior, um, and the context in which they are seeking to access those resources. And zero trust is not a specific product or technology. It's simply a different paradigm for thinking about security in which you authenticate every interaction between the user and the data. You don't assume a level of trust just because someone is coming from a particular network, either through a VPN or from the enterprise network, you know, on-prem from a federal or state and local government office. That's the first critical thing. And because we implemented that for ourselves starting in 2011, I think we bring a much needed level of expertise to help government customers make that transition, to think about how to make that transition 
organization and how to build the capabilities to implement zero trust networks. Now for Google Cloud, to the extent that you put applications and data in our cloud, our cloud implements a zero trust approach. So anything in our cloud benefits from those multiple layers of security, multi-factor authentication, hardware root of trust analyses, encryption for data at rest and in transit, a whole series of, of layered security protocols in our cloud. Now, for stuff that government customers would leave in their legacy environment or in other clouds, you know, we also have a strong approach to securing multi-cloud environments that, again, we're having multiple conversations uh, with customers to help them develop how to implement zero trust there. The second big thing is, again, coming back to this notion of analytics. I've seen some surveys where customers report that the amount of security data that they have to deal with has doubled just in the last few years. And as I mentioned before, most organizations have to manually integrate that data, don't have the data in a single place, don't have a great ability to analyze it. So if, if that data is increasing, unfortunately, most organizations are suffering from alert fatigue and sort of feel like they're drowning in the data. The capability of the cloud on analytics really gives organizations the capability to detect everything, to ask for and to achieve comprehensive, timely situational awareness for everything that's going on in their environment. And the way to do that, again, is to leverage cloud-based analytics to transform your situational awareness of your IT environment. A final thought I'd have is to, to really think about workforce productivity. Whenever you think about cybersecurity and government, you know, there's so much focus on the workforce. We need to hire more talent. We need to upskill more talent. And I think that's critical. But here's a simple fact. There is a global long-term secular shortage of data analytics professionals and cybersecurity professionals. And it's not just a shortage in the US. It's a shortage around the globe. So there's no situation in my mind where any organization is going to be able to hire their way out of the problem, particularly at a time when the amount of data that any cybersecurity professional has to analyze and deal with is sort of growing and growing year after year. So what really has to happen is to dramatically improve to 10x the productivity of the workforce that is out there. And I think the way to do that is to arm them with better analytic capability and to arm them with zero trust capabilities that improve their protective capability to make the workforce you have or, or can hire, make them dramatically more productive. And the way to do that is by increasing their productivity, by backing them up with the power of the cloud. And again, we've seen this not just in security examples, our cloud-based analytics for global banks or for global retail customers, you see the ability to increase the amount of data that is analyzed by 10 fold, 100 fold, while at the same time reducing processing times and workload times by up to 99%. And so if you can bring that kind of dramatic productivity transformation to the workforce, it's a very different approach to thinking about your workforce than trying to simply, you know, hire your way out of the problem. Well, those are some very compelling points. Uh, Dan Prieto, thanks so much for joining us to talk about the growing importance of analytics and the need for zero trust policies across federal, state, and local governments. Thanks so much, Wyatt. And thanks to Google Cloud for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage on IT modernization in government on fedscoop.com and our FedScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in.